0: Today we're looking at Romans chapter 7. We will only be covering the first six verses within this recording, and so we're going to try to make an effort to keep the recordings limited in time, and so we're cutting back of not trying to cover one chapter and one recording, but to try to split it up as much as possible. So let's look at verse 1, and we're going to look at these first six verses. And coming out of chapter 6, we're understanding that through God's grace, the bondage of sin is broken in our lives, that we're not living a life of sin, but we're living a life enslaved to God. This should be our mindset. This should be the reality within our lives, and we never use the grace of God for a license to live in sin. So we understand that Jesus came not only to forgive sins, but to destroy the works of the devil. And when we say destroy the works of the devil that John talks about in his first letter, it's the works of the devil within our lives, and that God has set us free through his Son, and in whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That means that we have the freedom to be enslaved to God and to be a slave to righteousness, not to live in sin, but that the bondage of sin is broken by God's grace. That's chapter 6. Chapter 7 is going to be about a dialogue of the sinful nature and the law and how the law does not set us free, it only condemns us. Because the law is holy and the law is good— But the law cannot break the bondage of sin. And this is what we're going to see in chapter 7. Today I have Laura with me, my wife, and Alan is with me as well, that is almost on every recording these days. And together we're going to look at these six verses, and we're going to continue the thought process of what the gospel is, going from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 8. Verse 1, Or do you not know, brethren... For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Now, when we see this in verse 1, we understand that there are Jewish believers within the community of faith in Rome as well. When we look back in 49 AD, Claudius, the emperor, kicked out the Jews from the city of Rome. One of the reasons was over a controversy over Christos. And when we look at this, that could have been the controversy that was spreading within the city among the Jewish community. Is Yeshua the Messiah? Is he the Christ? Is Jesus the Christ? And Claudius kicked them out. Two of those individuals that were kicked out, we're talking about the whole Jewish community, was Aquila and Priscilla that we see in the book of Acts. But now we are dealing with the Emperor Nero, and this is at 57 AD. And what is believed historically is that Jews started filtering back into the city. And this congregation that started off Jewish— became Gentile, and now we see in chapter 1 that they are a Gentile congregation, and when I say Gentile, that is their background. But now Jews have come back and filtered back into the community of faith, and in chapter 7, verse 1, we see this reality. Let me read it again. "'Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law?' So there are Jewish believers that would have known the Mosaic law that's back in the congregation and has a real influence among that community of faith, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. Verse 2, for the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. Now, what Paul is going to do here, he's going to use the law, an illustration within the law about marriage to illustrate about the law and us coming to the Messiah. So I would say it in this way, it's an illustration within the law to illustrate what the law is all about in comparison to the Messiah. So verse 2, "...the married woman is bound by law to her husband." As long as he lives, they are together in marriage. Now, this is not dealing with a reason why scripturally you can get a divorce, but you have a husband and a wife. By law, when they come together, a man and a woman, and they're married, they are bound to each other. For a woman to have a second husband while the other one is alive is not allowed in the law. So, we understand the law by this illustration of what the law is actually saying about marriage. Verse 3 So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That is what the law of God says. That's what the Mosaic law says. She cannot be married to one man and then join herself to another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. The only way, legally, according to the law, that she can be joined to another man— is if her first husband has passed away. Then, according to the law, she is free to remarry. And again, we're not dealing with the issue of a biblical way to divorce here. We're dealing with a man and a woman coming together in marriage, and she cannot join to another man as long as her first husband is alive. This is to illustrate concerning the law and the Messiah. If she holds on to two identities at the same time, then she has committed adultery. And this is going to be such a strong illustration of believers who have not died to the law and still try to have two heads at the same time. You have the head of Moses and the Messiah, And you cannot have two identities. And as believers, we have died to the law so that we can be released to the Messiah. In fact, the goal of the law is the Messiah. And so when we look at this reality and this fact that anybody as a believer that has two identities, that we have two headships, then we are committing spiritual adultery. There is only one head of the body— and that is the Messiah. That is our identity. That's who we have been released to, and the law has died and released us to the Messiah. Look at verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Very clear about our understanding in relationship, both Jews and Gentiles, that we are to die to the law, we were made to die to the law. The law was never complete in itself. It was always leading us to a final reality and goal and completion. And so if the law was able to complete us, then we, we did not need the Messiah in the first place. So the sacrifices would have to continue perpetually over and over and over again, year after year, for a covering for our sins. But it released us to the Messiah because once and for all, The Lamb of God died for the sins of the world, and it doesn't have to be done perpetually. It's not an earthly priesthood that goes from generation to generation. The Messiah is king, prophet, and priest, and we stand complete in the Messiah. Let me read the rest of this verse. So that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit unto God. I was gonna ask you when you talk about marriage, or you see it written in you know other writings of Paul, you know, he talks about the two becoming one, and I think he's hinting at that here about being joined with Christ. Is there any relevance to that in this sort of analogy that Paul's laying out? I would say yes, in this sense, that as we have died to law as our identity and released to the Messiah. We do have this understanding that He is the bridegroom, we are the bride. And we are the body of Christ, and He is the head. And we see this union, this reconciliation back to God. And as the body of Christ, we're one body, one family. We have one Lord. There is one spirit. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Everything coming back together in this reconciliation back to God through the bridegroom. And yes, we do have this imagery. What we're looking at here is that you cannot have two heads at the same time. And so as believers, we are to die to the law through the body of Christ so that we might be joined to another. That's the only way that we can be joined to another is if we die to the law. And remember, the law was not an end to itself. Its goal is the Messiah. Let me read for you Romans chapter 10 verse 4. For the Messiah is the end or the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The law is not an entity of itself that can bring us completeness. It brings us to the Messiah. It is a tutor to lead us to Christ. It is a guardian. It makes sin utterly sinful, but it cannot break the bondage of sin that only comes through the Messiah and this eternal salvation that comes in his name. Therefore, we have to die to the law and be joined to another. Who are we being joined to? And that is Christ to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. If we are truly going to bear fruit for God, we cannot be married to two husbands at the same time. The law has to die that never brought true fruit for God in the first place. Why can it not bring true fruit for God? Is because it doesn't change you from the inside out. Only Christ changes us from the inside out through a life in the Spirit. Now, you may say, but when I look back into the old covenant, I see fruit. Yes, uh, when we do look back, we do see men of faith, women of faith that have a relationship with God under a covenant relationship with God that are keeping the law, honoring God. We see this concept of the remnant of a people that are not bowing down and compromising the word of God and the law of God. It flows out of their faith and their relationship with God, but the law itself does not change a person from the inside out. And when we look at the law, if we do not die to the law, if we're not joined to another, which is Christ, how will we bear fruit for God by a law that's written on stone? The way that we bear fruit for God is the law of God, the character of God, the moral understanding of God that is written upon our hearts, and once it is written upon our hearts and we have a circumcised heart—this is the circumcision of the Messiah—we are changed from the inside out through a life in the Spirit, that will be Romans chapter 8, where we can truly bear fruit for God. That is the reason why we have been saved in the first place. We have been sanctified, set apart for God's glory, not to live in sin, but because of the grace of God, we are walking in newness of life, newness of the Spirit. A life that is being lived for God is a life that is producing fruit for God's kingdom. That's what it is all about. About. That's the reason why God sent his Son in the first place to redeem, to reconcile, to set us apart for God's glory to bear fruit for his kingdom. Now let's look at verse 5. For while we were in the flesh, that is talking about our past life. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Now, how did the law do this? Paul is going to illustrate this about when he was growing up and he was taught not to covet. That is the law of God, which is holy and it is good. It is God's law. However, after he was taught not to covet, because of the sinful nature, he saw him coveting, more and more because of the law that was given to him. He should learn how to be content, not coveting what other people have, but learning to be content. How does that take place where we move from coveting to contentment? It is a life in the Spirit that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we were in the flesh And the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, Paul's going to talk about not coveting, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. It did not change us. The law cannot change you from the inside out. It is the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, through a life in the Spirit, that we are changed from the inside out. Verse 6, "...but now we have been released from the law." This is talking about now as believers. He is speaking to the believers in the city of Rome, Gentile background, Jewish background believers that have come to faith in Christ. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound. We were bound by the law, And how were we bound by the law? We were under the law. It was a guardian. It was a tutor. It made sin utterly sinful, but it did not defeat the sinful nature that is within us. So we have died to that which we were bound so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter." The law written on stone, the Ten Commandments, cannot change anybody from the inside out. But we were bound to the law, but now we have been released to the Messiah, and now we serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. God has changed us from the inside out by the power of His Spirit through His Messiah, and His grace has come through His Messiah, and by faith, The new covenant has been established where we are changed from the inside out. It's not the law written on stone. It is the character of God, the morality of God, the things of God that is written on our hearts, and now we can serve in the newness of the Spirit.
1: Scott, would you look at this where some people would try to say, then God has changed because it's new versus old?
0: No, I would never say that about God and His character because God does not change. What we are seeing is the fulfillment of everything that God was doing in the Old Covenant that was established through Abraham by God's grace through faith, and the law was given to the people of faith in order to bring them to the Messiah, and the goal of the law was to bring us to be fulfilled in the Messiah. And what we're looking at in the New Covenant is a change from the inside out. The Old Covenant makes sin utterly sinful. It shows us what is sin, what is right, what is wrong. And Paul's going to talk about, I was taught not to covet. We teach our children today not to covet, but be content with what you have. The world doesn't teach that, but God's Word does. God's law teaches that. However, that son and that daughter is not changed by that law. What changes them is a relationship with the Father and a relationship to do what is right, where they catch the vision and they understand and trust and have faith in the Father that is saying to His children, do not covet, but be content with what you have. There has to be a relationship that takes place. This is the same way with God. The law is teaching us what is right, what is wrong, but it's through His Messiah and the forgiveness of sins that we really come into a relationship in chapter 8, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. And this is what we're looking at here. The law which we were bound to, we must die. We have been released to the Messiah, which was always God's intention in the first place. And now we can bear fruit for God if we don't have two identities. We cannot have two identities at one time. We have one identity, one head, and that head is Christ. It's not the Mosaic law. It is Christ who is the goal of the law to lead us to the Messiah, and all of this is consistent through God's Word. So no, I don't think that God has changed. God is consistent, and God is building concept and precept upon precept to bring us to the Messiah, and all of God's salvation is in his Messiah. Both Jew, Gentile, his plan of salvation is completed in his Messiah. So let's stop at this verse here. God has not changed. He does not deal with differently in different time periods, like in some theological systems, like, say, dispensationalism. Dispensationalism, where God acts differently in different time periods. God has always been consistent with us. There has always been a progression leading us to the Messiah, and we stand complete in Him. And so, we have always come by God's grace, through faith, And the law was given to the people of faith to lead us to the completion of that in the Messiah. Now we serve in newness of life to bear fruit for God from the inside out. Laura, could you read us Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34 that really shows the promise that God made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah about this new covenant?
1: Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. And I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more.
0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this new covenant, this Brit Hadashah that you brought to Israel, to Judah, and through the Jewish people you have brought salvation to the world, not through the law of Moses, but through your Messiah, through your servant that brought salvation to Israel, and from Israel light has come to the world. Thank you, God, that we can be changed from the inside out. And it's not just words written upon stone, but it's your law, your character, your morality that is written upon our hearts. Thank you, God, that we can glorify you. And Lord, let us have the mindset that we have been saved by your grace through faith in Christ, and we do not belong to ourselves, but we are enslaved to you, God. And every day, Lord, let us live for you bring glory to you, and Heavenly Father, may us honor you in everything that we do. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have
1: a blessed day.